Welcome back to another edition of the Educational AD Podcast. We couldn't do these without the incredible support of our sponsors, and we want to start by saying thank you to all of them. First, thanks to our diamond sponsor, Varsity Brands, including BSN, Varsity Spirit, and Herf Jones. Varsity Brands, elevating student experiences in sport, spirit, and achievement. We also want to say thank you to our platinum sponsors, including Vital Signs, bring student achievements to life. Gipper, sports graphics made incredibly simple. Ephesus Lighting, innovating a brighter future at every level. Gilman Gear, always a step ahead. Camp Mobile, where leaders communicate better. And Hometown Ticketing simple and easy online ticketing. Thanks to all of our great sponsors. Welcome back everyone to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. Our guest today is truly an old friend, Meg Sang. She is a certified master athletic administrator. She's the athletic director at Green Hill School in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Uh, she's also uh, with me, uh, a member of the NIAAA Certification Committee, and she is the co-founder and president of the Academy of Sport Leadership. She's going to share a little bit about that as we get into the interview, but Meg, welcome to the podcast. Jake, thanks so much for having me on. Uh, well, we're, we're excited uh, to hear what's going on in your state and your school, so let's go and jump right into it. We always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests. So tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, uh, where you went to school and college, and, and maybe how a love of sports led to this career in athletics. Absolutely. Well, I am from the north side of Chicago, so I grew up there and uh, in the 60s and 70s. So I'm uh, one of those people that uh, really did not have an organized sport experience uh, until I got to high school. And uh, I can remember when I was really young that my brother got to play Little League Baseball in a beautiful stadium with real grass and metal cleats and uniforms. And I think I went to a couple of his games and I was just so angry that I could not be a part of it that I just refused to go. So um, my family moved to the northwest side of Chicago in the suburbs um, when I was in middle school. And like I said, high school is when I really started playing organized sport. I was really lucky to have a wonderful mentor and coach, Chris Bowles, who uh, coached me in all three sports. I was a three-sport athlete in high school, volleyball, basketball, and softball. And uh, she went on after uh, her high school career to go coach at the University of Oregon and then had a long career at the University of Minnesota. So I always feel truly fortunate to have somebody uh, like that in my life. So. Um, yeah, three-sport athlete in high school. I went to a huge suburban uh, high school, as I said, and then I was lucky to go play um, college volleyball and college softball at Indiana University, so a Big Ten school. And uh, really, from there, having been involved in athletics for so long, um, coaching just became sort of that path. I always feel like I backed into it because I, I didn't have a degree. Uh, the pathway then was to be a physical education teacher, coach, 
And I was not a teacher right away, but I eventually started coaching and then started going back to school to get a teaching certificate and um, have been coaching in Ann Arbor for a long time. And that was really uh, my first uh, uh, pathway into athletics. Yeah, I uh, did know that you were uh, an Indiana grad. Uh, you know, what do you think of their football success uh, that they're having? Finally, a season to watch IU football. It's awesome. And especially living in Ann Arbor, that is just a bright light for me. Oh, gosh, that's got to be crazy. Okay. Um, you already mentioned uh, you know, one of your mentors. And in our business, we talk so much about the importance of leadership and mentoring. So who are some of the other mentors along the way, either other coaches or teachers that you had, or maybe even people that you've worked with or worked for? Uh, the expression I like to use is, I still hear those voices in my head when I'm talking with a, a kid or a coach or a parent. So whose voice do you still hear? Yeah, I, I think most of my coaches, certainly at the high school and college level, um, have been fantastic and continue to be fantastic mentors for me. Um, and then also some of my close friends who are, you know, coaching in the college ranks. Uh, it's always nice to be able to kind of touch base with them to see how they're doing things. Uh, but then I have to say there are so many people through our state organization and my colleagues and other athletic directors uh, too many to name, but uh, it's a little known secret, I think, amongst athletic directors. We're in a very competitive, um, you know, realm here, but athletic directors are so good at sharing. They're just yeah, wonderful. And uh, so as, as fierce as we might have been as coaches with, uh, you know, our opponents, and I, I know we were, uh, once you get into the administration role and realize that you really come to rely on those people. So our, our entire executive board through the years in Michigan has been like fantastic in terms of supporting and just truly being, um, you know, service oriented and giving back. So um, those, it's a great group of people. Um, talk a little bit about your uh, journey, particularly that transition from coaching into uh, the world of administration, you know, how did that happen? And uh, maybe what were one or two things that surprised you with that move? Yeah, you know, I, I never thought that I wanted to do it. And, you know, after I had been coaching for probably 20 years or so, the opportunity presented itself because uh, I worked under an athletic administrator at our school and I've been at the same school for over 30 years now. Uh, he had a young family and you know, a lot of people can you know, resonate with that, that what it's like to be an athletic administrator with young kids. So he was sort of looking for an out. Uh, and I finally was sort of thinking, yeah, maybe this is something that I want to do. So we literally switched jobs. And at a small school, that's entirely possible. So uh, we switched jobs and we tried it out. And uh, you know, I don't think either one of us has ever looked back. So he's still coaching and teaching and I'm still in the role uh, there. So I will say at the time, uh, probably one of my closest mentors was Jane Bennett, who's a Hall of Fame athletic administrator and highly decorated. Uh, the year I accepted the job at Green Hills as the athletic director was the year that she left Michigan to go out to Montana to become a high school principal. So uh, I still say I'm mad at her for leaving me just as I was starting uh, but like I said, there's a lot of MIAAA people that certainly stepped in and, and uh, mentored me along the way. 
you know, we have um, uh, some younger ADs that listen to the podcast. And I, I think it's really important to share, you know, how people got involved with their state um, and with the national organization. Um, you know, you and I have, you know, been able to work with certification these last few years. So we kind of see the inner workings, but uh, that didn't just happen. So, you know, talk about, you know, your involvement with state and how that led to, you know, your involvement with NIAAA. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, I talked about how welcoming they are. I went to my first conference. It was a summer workshop, so not not our annual big conference, but a smaller version. And it, it was lunchtime. I didn't know anybody. And um, Tom Rashid, who actually works at our state association office, he invited me to lunch. He said, come sit here. Well, it turns out it was a working lunch for a committee. And suddenly, the first day I was on a committee. So I was on the public relations committee. And uh, uh, that was my first involvement um, on a committee of many. And then, of course, I went through um, you know, the ladder of offices through our, our board. So um, I also you know, started going to the national conference. I did that uh, from my first year. And I think I've gone almost every year uh, since, minus one or two. So um, that's a great way to just see what the organization is, see what the profession is all about and, um, and choose to get involved, which is exactly what I did. You know, you mentioned you've been at Green Hills now for 30 years. Um, you know, I've spent, I guess a little bit over half of my 40 years, you know, at private and independent schools. And, uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, people that are, aren't familiar with that environment, you know, they say, oh, it's just a small school or it's just a private school. And, and what I will frequently share is that, well, you know, we might have, you know, fewer students, but uh, sometimes our challenges are uh, much more under the microscope than you might find at a bigger school. So um, talk about some of the things that um, you have either developed at Green Hills or maybe, um, you know, help shepherd along that you would categorize as a best practice? You know, what are some things that your coaches and, and your department just really do a great job with? Well, one of the things I'm fortunate in, in an independent school is that I have a head of school who um, is a former athlete and coach, and he fully believes in the teacher coach model. Absolutely. So one, yeah. one thing that I'm able to do is I get to sit in on almost every interview for open positions. And that's my opportunity to see if candidates uh, are able to coach, willing to coach, what they can coach. Uh, and we actually make it a priority at my school to hire faculty coaches whenever possible. That is um, actually surprising to a lot of my public school uh, counterparts, but it's invaluable. And, and we know the benefit of having that person in the building, understanding what the climate is on any given day, and then being able to you know, establish a certain culture with their with their teams. So uh, that's a practice that I'm actually really proud of. And then also, you know, we talked a little bit about the Academy for Sport Leadership. So one of the passions throughout my career has been to really try to increase the number of female coaches. And, um, you know, a lot of my colleagues would love to hire more women and they have a difficult time identifying and finding them. So that's sort of been uh, the work in that area where I try to train young girls to become coaches. I try to encourage, um, you know, young women who are former athletes to get into the coaching field. 
uh, and then trying to retain uh, female coaches whenever possible. So that's another piece that I think we're pretty proud of and uh, we're able to do that. Yeah, um, the coach and the teacher coach uh, is just can't be overemphasized the value of that. Uh, you know, my school, we've been very blessed with great coaches, great kids, and, and we've won a lot of, uh, you know, championships. I mean, we've won a lot. And I've had, um, you know, coaches and ADs and principals ask, you know, what's the secret? And I, I just say it's, it's hiring coaches who also teach. Um, we are so very fortunate at our school that almost every single varsity head coach um, also teaches or works in the building. And, and the one who doesn't, our boy soccer coach, he's been our coach for 30 plus years. You know, he gets it, he understands it. But um, having that opportunity to see the kids in the hallway, see them in the classroom, see them in the dining hall, it, it is just so very valuable. So any of you um, ADs out there that are listening, you know, the secret to winning teams, get those coaches teaching in the building. Um, Meg, we're going to do this at the end of the show, but if one of our listeners wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? Uh, certainly just, you know, via email, I think is the best. And um, that's on our website at Green Hill School, but it's um, msang at greenhillschool.org. Okay. All right. So uh, again, reach out and, uh, you know, find out how one of the best in the business does it. Um. Meg, we've been talking with our ADs uh, about COVID, and we've certainly seen a variety of responses across the country. You know, some states, it's been business as usual. Others have virtually shut down completely and everything in between. So uh, to our listeners, we're recording this uh, in the later part of November. Uh, so by the time it airs, hopefully we'll see some positive changes across the country. But Meg, what's happening right now in Michigan and what's happening at Green Hill School with return to school as well as return to play? Yeah, so right now in Michigan, as of today, we are on a pause uh, for athletics. And as we speak, our representative council of our state association, the MHSAA, is meeting and they have promised us um, you know, an update this afternoon. So their goal all along has been to get three sports season in this year and uh, how they'll do it, we're not sure, but they did promise us dates today. And so they're hoping to finish the, um, the fall season. We've, we haven't completed all of our tournaments uh, yet by December and that our, hopefully our winter season won't be impacted. But, um, we obviously, we were on a pause in August as well. So we had truncated seasons. Uh, my boys soccer team uh, had six regular season games. So we've chosen as a school to um, pause even further than what uh, the state did. And in Ann Arbor, especially, uh, the public school superintendent just uh, last week announced that they would be on a pause until January 21st. So. There's, there's starting to be a lot of districts operating independently and that's to be expected. Uh, but for right now, we're on a pause. Uh, the numbers weren't going in the right direction and we're hoping that a hard stop for three weeks, which is the goal, uh, will start to turn that data, data around. So, um, you know, we've, um, we've looked at the protocols. We feel like we've operated safely. We, we had a pretty good fall season. Uh, but, you know, we are concerned, especially up north with uh, the winter seasons and the sports in particular being indoors. So 
um, uh, we're, I would say we're more cautious than most. You know, I was going to ask, um, how did, you know, your fall go as far as, you know, canceling games, uh, maybe not so much with you, but with the schools you play or, um, you know, infections, uh, you know, that sort of thing. Um, you know, we're, how did that go? You know, in terms of the, there was a lot of, um, there's, there were games contest uh, canceled, but I think more so there were uh, individuals isolated or quarantined. So that became the issue. It, it became problematic for some teams where they saw, you know, a big spike. Uh, but, you know, I would say we kind of limped through. And like I said, we didn't get to finish. We, we haven't finished football or volleyball or swimming. Uh, so some of the other sports completed championships, but the others are kind of in limbo right now. So I guess it was a mixed bag, really, to be honest. For your home contest, did you allow fans to attend? And, and if so, how um, uh, cooperative were they with your social distancing policies? We've heard a lot of different <laughs> variations with compliance. Yeah, it was all over the place. I will say that early on, uh, we did not allow spectators. And there were certainly some pros and cons to that. And then as the season progressed and things felt a little bit better into October, we allowed it to um, spectators per participant. And that was the goal for this winter as well, being indoors is two spectators to, per participant. Um, I think for the most part, people were pretty compliant. There's always people that want to have a workaround. Uh, but I felt like our parents in particular uh, honored that process. And uh, we're also, as we speak, we are installing a second pixel lock camera in our school. So we're hoping to be able to broadcast or stream uh, games in both of our gyms this uh, winter. Oh yeah, we, uh, we did that uh, a year ago. It's been great. So uh, you know, yeah. you'll, you'll definitely enjoy that. Um, Meg, another question we've been asking our athletic directors since we started this back in June uh, has to deal with the, the idea of social uh, issues, social awareness, social justice, if you will. And my question has been, what are things that we can do as athletic directors? What can we do a better job of in this area of um, social awareness? Yeah, I think, um, you know, obviously the summer months brought the, you know, the diversity, equity, and, and inclusion conversation to all of us. And I think that that's been really important. One thing that we've really focused on is um, the question we always ask ourselves is, is it equitable and is it accessible for everybody? And that's become even more important. And while we were uh, virtual, um, it was kind of nice because that became sort of an equalizer, if you will, that everybody was there and people, people had a voice and they could show up. And so that's been kind of nice that we could be more inclusive in many ways. Um, so I think that that's been um, important. The other thing that I saw is sort of a benefit to all this is, um, especially as we were doing our daily health screenings, it allowed our coaches to have a one-on-one, -on -one, really almost forced them to have a one-on-one -on -one with every single kid. And it was a true check-in. How are you today? I'm asking you these questions. How do you feel? Uh, but it allowed for uh, more in-depth conversations. And so I think re relationships became richer. And I think that was a really 
positive benefit, that personal contact with each student, as well as our supervision and risk management has never been better. So as athletic administrators, where we're sometimes pulling our hair out around that, uh, everybody was in tune and um, I think we've, we've never been better. So I think technology helped and they had to rise to the occasion in so many ways uh, to get the proper technology. But um, yeah, I think those are some of the things, but equity and access is something that, um, that we always ask ourselves about when we're providing programming for kids. Uh, I appreciate you sharing that. And that is a great point about, you know, even with the challenges that, you know, we all were facing, you know, in, in your case, you kind of turned that into a, I don't know if it's positive, but, you know, the best we could possibly do as far as that one-on-one -on -one connection, you know, great point. Um, Meg, you've been at Green Hills now for 30 years, as you said. So obviously there's got to be some, uh, some good things about that school. You know, when I ask this next question of our ADs, you know, what's your favorite part of the job? Of course, they always say the kids and, and we know that it should be the kids, but uh, what are some of the things that have kept you uh, at Green Hills for the past 30 years? What gets you excited about coming to school each day? Uh, well, certainly, I mean, it is a toss up, right? Between uh, the kids, the student athletes and watching them grow and develop uh, and my colleagues. All right, so I have some really great colleagues. And as you know, at independent schools, um, we're allowed a certain freedom to do things that we think makes sense for kids. And um, I think it just, uh, it, you know, it's being, being treated like a professional. And I think there's, you know, there's a certain dignity with that. So um, it's just been great to have great colleagues uh, and that, you know, gets me excited about showing up every day. And we also, you know, we're a small school, uh, but yet we have 20 varsity sports. So that's a pretty robust program for a small school. And, um, you know, our kids, like all those other kids are, you know, doing, mul wearing multiple hats. Um, and that it's just really fun to see kids in all those different areas really, you know, flourish. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. I'm <laughs> right there with you. Okay. Well, you and I are going to be seeing each other uh, in the coming weeks with certification uh, committees, uh, Zooms, and uh, our national conference, but uh, we're not done yet. Uh, we always like to wrap up with what we call the new athletic director's toolbox. Uh, mm -hmm. You're certainly a, a master athletic administrator, but right now I'm going to challenge you to send out a brand new AD on their very first job, but I'm only going to let you put three things in their toolbox. What three items are going to go in Meg Singh's athletic director toolbox? Uh, well, number one is easy, and that is join your professional organization. So join the NIAAA, join your state uh, association organization. And um, the other thing I would say is um, just really establish some systems for yourself, uh, set some boundaries, establish some systems, you'll sleep better, you don't have to worry about doing it all. I, I mean, seriously, right? We, we talk about mental health of ADs all the time. So if you have those things in place, you'll feel a lot better. And then finally, um, don't walk alone. There are so many good people out there, including your coaching staff. So, you know, it becomes reciprocal. You support your staff, they'll support you. So uh, don't walk alone, find a mentor and uh, just remember to, to validate your coaches. So I'd say those are, those are my three. Okay, great, great advice. Okay. Well, 
as always, it's wonderful to see you. Um, once again, for our listeners, Meg Sang, Green Hills School in Ann Arbor, and the Academy of Sport Leadership. How can they get in touch with you to uh, pick your brain some more? Yeah, that's Meg Sang or M Sang, S-E-N-G, at Green Hills School, all one word, with two S's in the middle, dot org, O-R-G. Okay. Also, uh, you can find that information on the NIAAA uh, portal um, to get in touch. Meg, again, always great to see you. Uh, looking forward to our next certification meeting. Uh, to our listeners, thanks as always for tuning in. Remember, these interviews are also being uploaded to the FIAAA Educational Athletic Director YouTube channel, so you can see it as well as hear it. Uh, and we hope you come back again for another episode of the Educational AD. Thanks for having me, Jake.